Welcome to episode 16 of the Bear Tiger podcast. Today I'm joined by James Slate. Howdy. And Joshua White. Hello, mate. So we're just watching some of the, re-watching some of the highlights. James and I watched the European golf yesterday. Let's start, just get straight into it today with the DP World Tour. Massive drama week this week. It's like, keep your card week. I spoke to a couple of the managers that have been out there, so it was very, very tense. And there was a bit of drama on the last day, but let's get, let's start with... Jordan Smith, 30 under par. <laughs> I know Josh mentioned, to be fair, you both had a few calls in the previous pods about players that you said to, were, were to watch and Josh had mentioned Jordan and I, I know you've both grown up and played with him. I don't know. If, I don't think I, I have. What? I don't, have I had any, any calls? Yeah, you had, you called Thomas Dietrich was going to yeah. come good. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Lovely. Um, <laughs> and he did. We'll talk about that in a minute. And obviously paying quite close attention, Wisley member, but you've always said how much of a pure ball striker yeah, he is. He's, uh... And it's a proper, proper clinic this week as well. Yeah, yeah 30 under par, round of Victoria, previous scoring record was 25. I mean, he's just he's just taking it by the throat, isn't he? And just had, and had one. Yeah, he's just someone that I always played with when I was growing up and still now, when I see it, he just absolutely rips it for me. I've, you know, when you just play with players and... You just think that's different. That I remember playing with him at tour school, and he just absolutely flagged everything, <laughs> like every single shot. I was just like, he's a robot. And yeah, if you play that well, and then all of a sudden the putter gets hot, that is seriously dangerous. And as you can tell, thirty under, no surprise. He come out, the, he come out the blocks, didn't he? Super quick when he got his card. Did he not win in his first season in his rookie year or? He jumped up the rankings well, super quick, did, didn't he? And then as he just... Yeah, I'm not sure if he won his first year, but he was definitely good, wasn't he, for the first three didn't, years? He, didn't he win Euro Pro? And then he won Challenge Tour. Then obviously onto the European Tour. Then won... Was this his second win? Second win, yes. Yeah, so then he did He did win. I think it was in... Was it Czech? He won uh, the Porsche Open Porsche in Germany. In Germany, sorry. Yeah. So it's a steady, isn't it? Like, yeah. And then now to win again... I mean, after all the controversy with Diddy or didn't he win the Dublé early in the year to go and then get the Portuguese Masters? <laughs> he didn't win the Dublé. He tied for the Dublé trophy, the Pro-Am at Wisley. With ZS? Yeah, he did try to do a little runner with the money. Yeah, exactly. count back, but Probably a pretty decent out. motor after this yeah. season as well. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he gave that back, so that's fine. Yeah, statistically, he was very, very good this week. He was 16th in driving accuracy, 24th in driving distance, which is a good mix, and then second in... Greens in regulation, hitting 94.4% of the greens, which means wow. he didn't miss many. We've been watching it a little bit again this morning, along with yesterday, and it was quite soft, and it was, you know, yeah. preferred lies. But you still got to do it, and if you're 30 under, you probably not miss many greens, really, have you? Yeah. <laughs> but it is a tournament which has notoriously low scoring, which is a bit of a funny one for a week, which means so much to so many of the players to keep their card. You know, this is the last event before going into the DP world. And there was a bit of drama yesterday. You know, there was obviously drama at the top of of Jordan getting to minus 30, which was kind of the goal, really. He looked like he was going to win. Although it wasn't as if he was winning by eight shots. He was still yeah, well, always two, three, four ahead, which could have turned on its head. But he was very relentless because he wasn't dropping any shots. He had, uh, he bogeyed the last in the third round. But well, nothing in, in the last round. So that was, it was quite cool to watch someone try to get to minus 30. It's a bit of a holy grail, isn't it, really? You know, I think as a golfer... As a professional golfer, you probably think, oh, maybe to shoot a 59, that's one thing you chase. And then over four rounds, getting to minus 30, puts you in a different bracket right, okay. of player. James, you said that, that he beat the scoring record there by five shots. And Ernie has got to minus 30 before. 
Yeah, I'm sure he had the record, and I think someone else actually beat it in Portugal again. And then obviously now he's he's done 30 there. But I know Ernie had a low one, a couple of low ones. Uh, it was Jimenez, I think, who held the previous scoring record with 25. But I mean, and also just quickly hats off to Gavin Green, who shot 27. If you think, and if, you, if you're on the first tee of, uh, on a Thursday and someone says, you're going to beat the scoring record here by by two shots this week, you probably think you're walking home with a trophy and an exemption for a couple of years, didn't you? So, yeah, you um, I mean, historically, the course has brought so much to this competition. Isn't it? It's obviously where Fish had the 59. There's been so many things that happen around it. I mean, so, such low scoring and then... Yeah, to, to deliver a 30 under par as well, it's pretty special. Yeah, beyond special, I would say. And then there was a bunch of players right behind that who were trying to keep their card. And there was a little, little bit of drama, but nobody who really needed that big week actually took that big week in the end. The the one we were discussing before was uh, the Frenchman Lacroix. Lacroix, yeah. And Paratore playing together, come to the last hole. Lacroix was ahead of Paratore and they were both outside that top. The Magic, 117. And Lacroix was up and down it for fun the last few holes, hanging on. You could tell the nerves were just kicking in, couldn't you? But but to be fair, I think to give him credit to play himself into position, I think he was eight under for his round on the 18th tee. His best finish, he hasn't had a top five all season. Mm. And to get himself in that position on the last event when he really needed that, I mean, that's a step in the right direction to begin with. Do you think yeah. that's a focus thing? Like there's something that, that he needs to reassess for the tournaments going forward. There is something there that's obviously like switched him on. You do you see it quite a lot as he gets towards the end of the season. I think what happens is you spend most of the season trying to work out what's the formula for what I need to do to keep my card or to do well. And then you go into like, you know, working on stuff, thinking you've got loads of time. And then everyone who's on the tour has got a really good game anyway. And at some point, towards the back end of the season it just moves into like just accepting what you've got and making the most out of that rather than trying to change it and improve it because this always happens I think it just gets to a point where you're just like fuck I've not got time to work on this anymore I've just got to yeah. score I've got to do what work with what I've already brought here yeah. and get on with that and then they seem to then step up and then then you go into the whole process as well should have done that at the beginning Yeah, have a couple of weeks off over the winter then go back into the same exactly the same cycle that you would have done before Sam Little is uh, a guy that we used to play with he used to, he two or three times finished top five in the last event to keep his card, and everyone would say to him, "Why don't you just play that from the first event?" But it's just it's different energies, you know. When you when you turn up in Abu Dhabi early in the year, you just go, "Oh, I'm back on tour and I've got all this time and it's all relaxed again." Mm. And then gets the end of the year, smaller events, and they they need to make you got to play even better to get the bigger checks because they're smaller money. And you're able to do it, but somehow just finding that intensity. Yeah. Or on the flip side, early. you get in early and maybe you get a bit complacent. You know, maybe not complacent, but it just doesn't start happening for you at the end of the year, or you start playing nicely. Maybe you take too many weeks off. You never know. It's such a hard thing to manage. You think someone like Bear at the start of the season, he was cruising, right? He was just always in and around the top sixty, looking like he was going to go to Dubai, and ended up finishing one fifty. You know, I always remember when I was at last stage of tour school, and Ed Wildeye Molinari was there, and he um, he got his card that year, but at the start of the year on the tour he knew that he wasn't playing well enough and he didn't like his swing or what however he was performing so he took the rest of the year out to change his swing to perf- literally knew just basically said I'm going to lose my card that's it I'm happy to do that but he changed his game and his swing and everything that he wanted to do went straight to tour school and then got his card for the following year 
Mental. That is some. Uh, he is a bit crazier, by the way. He is a bit extra, and he, yeah. Weird enough. So he he now does uh, stats for quite a lot of the players. Is he really? Yeah. So he helps Fitzy with stats. With his, so he's got his own system. You know, like uh, the decade system, and yeah. then there's like Mike Brody has his system. So yeah. So he collates all that data. They send him the data, and then he creates the reports of what they need to to work on. Nice. Yeah, which Look is quite up. interesting. You know, to be out there helping your peers. I mean pretty clever i suppose i'm presuming he takes a bit of a percentage so he's getting paid whatever but yeah he um he's become very very popular and a bit like boise does yeah 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 boise. Boy. with um with tommy fleetwood he managed the worst stats and, and fitzy obviously took that that information and turned it into a major championship win which is yeah, pretty damn impressive yeah. yeah there were some other stories uh youth luton coming up just shy he finished so 117 is where he had to finish, or in the top 117. Hugh Luton needed a top three, he ended up finishing sixth. So he got to 126 on the standings, and yeah, he, he again, he was another one, obviously not being quite at the races this year, but played great yesterday, you know, and he's such an aggressive player. He, you know, you just scratch your head and think, oh, how's this guy I lost his card watching watching the type of golf that uh, he was playing? But James, talk us through the Paratore, who thought he needed to birdie the last to get his card yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's quite a fiery player, anyway, isn't he, Renato? Like you can, like you know, the way he sort of trots around, and he he'd got a break off the tee actually because he'd pushed his drive, he'd, he'd like semi wanged it. He'd managed to find kind of a bit like a bit of what looked like you know like that kind of grass you get in Portugal in the rough where it burns out a bit, it just sits on top, it's almost like a tee peg. So he's got a great lie, and he's not all of a sudden got a shot. He's tried to send it out right, it's left pin, water left. So it's, it's it's not really a pin you ever look at, you know, unless you can just try and... I think you look, you look in the middle of the green and just try and shape it sort of thing, try and catch a bit of the slope. But again, he's held it out right. He's got 60, 65 feet. It was, it was just like a carbon copy of a Justin Waters moment a couple of years ago when that really emotional hole out. And then obviously he's playing with Lacroix, who at the time he's also got himself into a position where he'll know that he's right in the mix as well. And this is potentially like a two-shot swing here because Lacroix's got a chip from the rocks and Paratori's got a putt across the green. Paratori cans it from 65 feet, you know, and all of a sudden Lacroix's like, shit, actually, hang on a second, this guy might actually have just taken 117 and I've now got an 18-footer. And Lacroix was the same, you know, he hit a... I mean, I struggled. I've never really heard of this guy. Look at his game. His putting stroke is pure. Like, he, he really strokes it nicely. Swing looks good. And he's eight under through 17 holes. You're sitting there thinking, just as like a golf fan, like, how are you struggling to keep your card? It just shows how competitive it is out there, you know? And then he's got into the middle of the fairway, fairly simple shot for him, kind of chip it up to 25 feet and two putt and run away and, you know, hope the gods are on your side. Pulls it left. Everybody thinks it's in the rocks. It stays inside the line by about three inches. But as soon as he got down there, you know, when I sort of talked to the both of you guys about preparation and just like visualise the shot, he, he just looked like he wanted to hit this chip like it was speed golf. He was just running up there. He got a wedge in his hand, like pushed his caddy away. He's just like one practice swing, bang. And he can't, he didn't chunk it, but you know, he's just, he's just not got the heart rate down. And you know, when we were talking the other week about if you had a whoop on, you know, I reckon he's probably like, he's probably at about 150, 155 here. Just, just breathe, do a little four in four out nudge. And he's pushed it past the hole and, and then he's lipped out his putt and, you know, and he's probably at that point knows he's, he's in a bit of bother and, I think subsequently, actually, said they both lost their cards, right? But it was a really cool moment where you think someone's got a 65-footer and he's like, I need to can this to have any chance of keeping my card. And um, 
little right to left up the hill yeah. is pretty impressive. Cool, yeah. cool for us. I mean, I, I don't know what yeah. the, the the point system, how, how exactly how it works, how it equates to, the, to Euros. But Paratory finished 118, so one spot outside the mark. He's played 29 times this year, so he's gone all out and tried yeah. to get the numbers up on how many times he's played, which is quite a lot. There's not many of a tipped over 30, and he fell 2.3 points short of Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez to lose his car, which will be really, really painful. I think that is 2,300 euros. Is that right? Yeah, that's not that's not very much in the grand scheme of 29 tournaments. And then right behind him is Alfredo Garcia Heredia, who I played a lot of amateur golf with. Really good player. There was a bit of controversy for him because he was the first reserve to get into Wentworth and his mate, Sergio Garcia, decided to come and play one round, shoot 75, and then not even turn up for the second round at Wentworth, which meant Alfredo didn't get in. Wow. Again, like if he'd have gone there, just making the cut, he would have kept his card. Bit further down, got Dave Horsey. I'm not sure if Dave Horsey, if he'll have an exemption. I don't say I would say he hasn't lost his car very often, Dave. Do you know Josh? I'm not sure if he's got an exemption. Yeah, um, he was playing this week. The one I was looking out for was the other Wisley member who was right on the mark was Ricardo Gavea. And um I thought, oh, he's Portuguese, Portuguese masters, you know. He was I should give him a bye for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he shot five under round one, and he must have done something. He must have had a bit of a blow up in the second round. Yeah, he had he, a bit of a mare, yeah. Because he was, he was, he was five under round one. I was thinking, oh, okay, like you know, he had a good week. You're... Cruising, yeah, one twenty two. He finished, so just outside. What was the cut this week? Well, it was I, five I, under. I think, I think it five. was five. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not the... mad low actually. It's been it's been lower, especially you know if you go if you drop down to the challenge tour, a four or five under cut is quite normal. Yeah, but do you not think when the scoring is this low? when you go into an event, do you think it's almost harder to win? Because sometimes you play a hard course. Four on the cut, sorry. Pe- people will make mistakes, you know, so you, pars, you can get away with pars, but there you can't get away with pars. you just got to make a ton of birdies all the time. Yeah, it doesn't really play into the hands of like, I mean, Jordan Smith has played exemplary and he's set a record score, but yeah. it does let a lot of other people in. Yeah. Because you don't have to be quite on your game. You can like... You can wang it about a little bit yeah. and just get away with it. Whereas when it's obviously really tough, that's why the majors are so great because of the, they're the hardest courses. So the best golfer always comes to the fore. Whereas yeah, yeah. there could be people in the top 10 and maybe not played, maybe their game's not as sharp as the others, but they, they come out, they you know do well finishing inside that top 10. I think quite a lot of the commentary team are actually saying, um, you know, like you obviously know his game quite well, but a lot of the commentary team was sort of saying this guy's like a robot. You know, his golf swings so repeatable. You know, with Jordan Smith, they were that there's just an expectation for him now to get his short game maybe to that that level that you expect to see a top fifty player at. You know, and I don't think that I don't know if there's anything wrong with his short game. I think that's just what their assessment is because his his tee to green swing looks so rock solid. You know, he's he's not the longest on tour, but he's not sure. He hits it three hundred yards. He he's, he doesn't look to like doesn't look like he ever really misses a fairway. Twenty seventh in driving distance. Yeah, twenty third in accuracy and he's second in greens and regulation. So his long game's uh, absolutely total bang driving. On. Yeah, I mean the whole long game's absolutely bang on. And then stroke average is number two. <laughs> so is that this week that's for the season using right. the claw grip isn't it he's been using mm. the claw grip this week I haven't noticed him using that I don't know when he changed to that I mean the putting stats don't really these stats on the site are not that great they're putts average average putts per round which is nonsense really and then you've got putts per greens in regulation which just doesn't really tell the story mm. fully 
it maybe tells some of the story, but it's 171st and 130th in putting. So that would be the area you would think, but those stats may be on the back of the fact he hits a lot of greens. You know, it's, it doesn't always tell he, the full. He's also been with his coach Shanksy for a long time, hasn't he? And you know, they've done a great job. What a great name for a coach? I know <laughs> Shanksy. Shanksy. But he uh, always puts a before the event on the uh, doesn't he on the Wednesday? He puts a photo up and he goes moving well. <laughs> but to be fair, he's always moving well. Moving well, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's imp- impressive. So yeah, so Dave Horsey probably going to lose his card there. Brandon Stone, that's a bit of a surprise. Played 27 events there. Finished one two nine. He normally gets it done early. Dan, like Dan mm. in South Africa, he's normally really money in his own country. Yeah. Who's that? Sorry? Brandon yeah. Stone. Yeah. It's the, that little thing he draws. There's obviously some bigger names down, but they don't play full-time on the DP World Tour. But then people in around who have kind of kept it, Henrik Stenson, just eight events. He did enough to keep his card. Whether he will keep that after the, the appeal, <laughs> we don't know. But two other names, Jazz Jane Watson and Ond. <laughs> needed to make the cut this week. Who, mate? Jazz Jane Watanonon. Needed to make the cut this week to keep his card, and he did it. I think he kept it on the... He got made the cut on the mark. Jazz did? Yeah, he had about 15, 16 for a part on Friday, which he just needed to just literally baby up. And, and all the commentators were like, nothing silly, nothing silly. He just dotted it up to the hole to get him through to the weekend. So he kept his card. And then a slightly interesting story, Victor de Buisson, who's obviously quite a popular character doesn't play that much he finished 115 and um just withdrew this week <laughs> like on the mark on the bubble maybe had some sort of injury but just decided not to play that is some the week off and he was bouncing around on that bubble mark and nobody passed him so he kept his card and just to build the legend even further is he, um i think he, he he's not quite as successful in his own right but he reminds me a little bit like ronnie o'sullivan like he's like a he's he's quite open about like it's not he doesn't enjoy golf that much it's kind of a bit yeah. like a job and it, when he wants to go fishing, doesn't he? yeah that's it i was gonna say when he when he wants to go to work he just he's like oh, i'll practice for a week and i'll go and play and see what happens i've heard bits of uh, like cameron smith's a bit like that doesn't enjoy playing golf just does it as, as little as he can. Mm. It's obviously doing pretty well. Yeah. What? It works out yeah, right. Honestly. It? <laughs> yeah. But that's mental because you and I watched him. He was he was the longest person on the range at the Masters by a mile. Like he hit balls. Lo- he hit balls for half as an hour longer than anyone else. I think when, when you're at the yeah. tournament, it's all right though, isn't it? Like, what else are you going to do? It's like you just stand the range. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, but maybe around it, you haven't got like if if you're at a tournament, you sometimes you just just there uh, hitting balls just to. Yeah. yeah. And also, if you can't, I'm sure he gets. He likes being the masters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's very good round there, isn't he? Like, yeah. But I mean, um, he yeah. He just doesn't want to play in the small events. Which moving across to the PJ Tour was a, a bit of a smaller event this week. Not many of the big players were there out in Bermuda. <laughs> a smaller event, six and a half million dollar purse. Like it's still. I mean, I listened to a bit of the no no laying up boys this morning, and they were literally ripping the ass out of the PJ Tour for this event. Like it shouldn't exist and whatever else and like there's some names in it you don't know and stuff like that. But these are the events for the younger guys that are coming through or the people that have worked their way up all the way through the Corn Ferry and this is their time. Like it's a perfect opportunity for them. Like people should enjoy it for that. And it's not a small event. Exactly like you say, 6.5 mil. Well, I think that's, I think that, that is more of an issue of the PJ yeah. Tour, not the players. Like the PJ Tour should build better, a bit of better stories around different elements of the game. Because at the top, when we're watching the CJ Cup, watching uh, Rory go at it, like we're all sitting there going like, this is great. And the PJ Tour don't have to do anything. They'll just let Rory do his thing and everyone's like buzzing. But like, I really think that uh, the cut, there should be like a cut story 
every week. They can make more of a thing out of that. But I think that's kind of what they're going towards with these elevated events. Hopefully, with the elevated events having the PGA Tour, they start to build yeah. the story of the lower events around it. Because as you say, there's loads of stories during Bermuda. Yeah, Guys that just got their cards. You know, it's a big week for them. But we don't, as fans, you just, you're a little bit... Yeah. If it's not Rory or Victor Hovland or something like that, you're, who, who are these guys? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I think you also need them lower events for the bigger ones to be as special as they are. Exactly. If you know what I mean. Which is the story that needs to be told on them. Yeah, yeah. On, on those. Like, yeah, because like it or not, like, like you said, like the No Laying Up Boys, like, you know, and the same for us. Like, who watched it? We didn't watch it. I, I watched some of it. I, cause I, I, you I, flick I, it on, then you flick it off. You're not, not gripped to it. Like, you grip to the, like, normally we're a bit, a bit like that about the DP World at the moment. You know, this is the first time we've had a week on the DP World, which has been interesting, but. You know, the last six weeks, yeah, been more than happy to like flick it on, flick it off. Yeah, but it's just because you're busy, aren't you? It's like Halloween weekend, you've got kids and stuff, and it's, it's accessible. I haven't watched any live golf, I haven't seen any of the last three events because it's actually a bit too, it's actually a bit too arduous to actually get involved with the content. I end up just watching highlights on Twitter. There's, there's no stories, there's no like it's kind of, kind of part yeah. of the sport. It's like, yeah, it, like the there was a piece this week that James you were chatting about with Sebastian Heisel who. You know, he's been on a bit of a journeyman pro for a while, a German guy, and decided that he was going to quit this week. And he yeah. was doing an interview with Tim Barter and he kind of dropped that in the interview and he was doing well. You know, he's going to the last round in contention mm. and he starts, you know, starts crying and has to stop and whatever. But that's kind of what sport's all about yeah. as much as it's meant to him to do that. Whereas, you know, there's no, people are not telling the stories. Like that Bermuda event, like there would have been, you know, Seamus Power winning and so forth, you know, there would have been stories in there, but we just don't hear about it. So you don't want to watch it. So just seeing a replay there, Jordan Smith hitting five with to like six feet over the water. Like his 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 golf swings are ridiculous. What shaft was that? And he's five with the Fujikura. I think it's all right. I don't know. I think he made that up there. I don't think it was. early on the shout, isn't he? There. He's wearing a whoop as well. Whoop it. Whoop. Whoop. <laughs> whoop. Um. I mean, but what I found interesting about the PGA Tour this week, which I quite like about Bermuda, and you mentioned it, it's like one of the things that's a little bit annoying about the golf in America is they they follow the weather around the coast. So you normally it's normally kind of flat, calm, or eight mile an hour winds, and it becomes a bit more of a masterclass of ball striking and things like that because they're playing in like really really good scoring conditions. Whereby the wind was just going berserk like all week. And you actually saw quite a lot of players like really struggle. Like you see them wanging tee shots a bit more where they've lost a bit of control. I mean, you saw people putt from seven feet and they, you know, they'd, they'd leave it two foot short or, you know, it, they're just their speed was all over the place. And it was actually really good to see them sort of in the elements. You know, it was a bit of a, between Ben Griffin and Seamus Power, it was kind of who was going to make the least bogeys was going to win in the end. And it looked like obviously Seamus Power held on, but he got it through, didn't he? What did he have? Four bow, four bows in the last five holes. Didn't yeah, he? and that Ben Griffin uh, again was the same. He de- he had three on the trot, three it, birdies or three bogeys. No, three bogeys, bogeys on the trot. Right. He ended up making an eight footer for par on one hole, which then tied him for the lead again because Power had made bogey. Then he gets on the tee of the next hole. It's like a a bit over and under, like dog leg right to left. He's got two on in his hand, just like. Hits it straight into Narnia, you know. It's like, you know, it's like, it's a, isn't it? I always find it mental. Through a wardrobe. What's that? Yeah, the yeah, the, the, witch, the, wardrobe, the witch in the yeah. wardrobe. Is yeah, it, but you walk through the you walk through a wardrobe. You walk through the wardrobe, <laughs> and you're in no man's land, aren't you? It's no Narnia. Yeah, I always find it interesting. So, like, looking at Seamus Powers card on the back nine, his last six holes, he's gone bogey, birdie, bogey, bogey, birdie, bogey. So he's dropped four bogeys in the last six. If someone said that at the beginning of the week that you're going to 
have that many bogeys at, at the end of the round, you're going to win and you're going to finish minus 19. You, Bothered. You wouldn't like, you, yeah. you'd be like, no, of course I won't. Like to get to, someone said to, to get to 19 under par, you've had to play really like flawless golf and you can't make any mistakes and so forth. Yet the time and time again, the story of how someone makes their tournament is so different to how you would think you would if someone gave it to you at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, 19 under, that's a lot under par. Yeah. But there's so many, you know, just it just never seems to pan out exactly how you think it's going to go. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your pick in a second. I hope this guy's not going to become a short game coach. D greens it all the time. Talking about Sebastian Heisel there. But um, Seamus Power. So obviously, Zed, Luke Donald has got three, he's got three automatics from World, three automatics from DP, and now he's got six picks now, um, which I actually, that feels new for me, like with a European captain. I always used to think historically it was four, but is Seamus Power someone who comes into contention? Another player, we spoke about Sepp Straka last time, who's obviously gets out on the American tour and holds his own a little bit. Seamus Power does get in contention probably a bit more than Sepp Straka and then gone and got it over the line this week, taking advantage when some of the big boys are having a week off. Yeah, he has been in the conversation with quite with a few people's, you know, in the industry kind of uh, Ryder Cup picks. You know, he's a winner again on the on the PJ Tour, good performer. And then obviously everyone love, loves the Irish, don't they? So I think, you know, Shane Lowry's been a really good Ryder Cup performer. Rory McIlroy is another really good uh, Ryder Cup performer in Irish. So yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. Mm. And then obviously uh, finishing second outright this week, you'd said he was one of your ones to watch, Thomas Dietrich. Another player who I actually think he was one of your ones to watch as well for a for a uh, Ryder Cup pick as well. Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not sure I did put Thomas in my team. I thought he was uh, an outsider. You said maybe an outsider. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, th- I think watch. he's been a bit liberated by going to the PJ Tour because mm. he's he's obviously a bit of a, a star when he was an amateur turned professional on the Challenge Tour. His first ever round. It was in Wales or Manchester on the channel, and he shot a 60. His first ever round as a pro, so he can really, really play, you know, <laughs> minus 12. And he's kind of gone to the European Tour, and he's done well, but maybe not quite lived up to the complete star status that everyone's expected. That was in Manchester, by the way. Was, was it in Manchester? I was playing, yeah. There you go. Cheers. What, what did you shoot? Oh, God, I was going for a tough time at the time. I think he was beating me by about 15 after the first round. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, and then going to the PGA Tour, been liberated a bit of a restart and the, the courses suit his game no one knows him a bit of anonymity and yeah and he's got a great start he's going to re-rank really well and I think the only way is up here for Thomas Dietrich well last year 335 points got you kept your card on on the PGA Tour he's got 490 already this season so he's, you know, he's probably quids in to uh, to keep his card. And I think you're right. I, you know, he's a, he's a bomber. Like, he flights it really, really nicely. I think he's got a really nice demeanour. He's probably, like you said, taking advantage of the fact that he's not in, in the starlight of a lot of people's conversations. He just go about his business. And now he's probably sitting there thinking, OK, I've I've pretty much done enough to, to keep my playing status now so I can kind of take the shackles off and really enjoy it. You probably see him go on and make another million bucks now. He's made a million dollars already on the PGA Tour this season you know like say that to the live players bothered <laughs> but essentially he's playing on house money now yeah and, and and another point to make about that is he plays in the Lions Den the money games in Dubai that we play in so has that got something to do with it he didn't he actually played the time I had my biggest win in the Den as well so oh, drop that one yeah well, it's important too did you beat him well I, I got a skin so, okay, nice. got a skin 5,000 Durham skin I see um, he played at Queenwood before he went 
I don't know if you saw it on socials. One of the boys put up. He shot sixty. Yeah, that with Ross Desmond and yeah, and Redknapp. And Redknapp, yeah, he shot sixty. They said like sixty a bit, didn't he? Decent. So I don't, many, I don't know how many under he was for this week, but it's a few under in his last five rounds. Eighteen that. under he was at Bermuda. Oh, there you go. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely flying. So you mentioned the live, the live there. We're about halfway through here, so it's, we've got to get to the dark side. He's made uh, Thomas Eater has made a million, but that's just peanuts these days. It's absolutely nothing. Yeah. The, I didn't see any of the Live Championship, but obviously you follow the the write ups on it and the aces, sixteen million US. So uh, I saw adding to the pot. I saw a stat that in his um, Dustin Johnson, uh, he said for all the all of the, what's gone on and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, I don't really care what people say. You know, I got a hundred million dollars signing on bonus, and I made thirty five million dollars my first season. Yeah. It's madness, isn't it? It's absolutely madness. They beat Team Punch. The Aces beat Team Punch. What, what, a, what a title that is. Punch. Good in a win. But Pat Perez came through, oh, stepped up. He was funny. Did you see him come out on socials as well? He goes, I know people have been ripping me all year, you know, about what I've been up to and et cetera, et cetera. And um, in the final round of the of the final, Josh, yeah, with the team championship, they took all four people's scores so I think actually it was a couple of teams. It was all match play, wasn't it? The first the first two rounds and then the last round was stroke play and they all yeah. counted. Yeah. And then all scores counted, yeah. And then I think Pat Perez has, has saved his best till last because he shot two under in the final round and really come in and just cemented that Aces got it home and he was like, who the fuck do you think you are now? Do you know what I mean? Like he's kind of shot there. So, so, um, Is that what he sounds like? Uh, no, I don't think he's from... <laughs> I do did. Uh, uh, I don't think he's from Lewisham. Um, he's a bit of a Ricky Bobby, isn't he? Yeah. Ricky but, Bobby. Um, but yeah, no, it was quite funny that he uh, he pulled it out right when he needed to and uh, that was uh, a good band. I'll tell you what though, for Liv... The one thing I think they've done really well this year, and especially this week, is their scheduling up against the PGA Tour. Like, obviously, that is their weakest mm. event, like you said, and this is their biggest event. So that, that's pretty clever, I think, how they've matched it up with them. Yeah, kind of chunked away, but fifty million prize fund. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? It's yeah, it's, it's mad, and but the team thing, I think, is coming through now. Like, you are starting to see that a little bit. There's been a little bit of shuffle around with how they're going to do the teams for next year bringing in reserves and so forth there's a bit more chat that's taking shape because and that's where they're seeing like all the wins with it really when I was out in Dubai recently and the people and most golfers there are from different nationalities not necessarily like UK or from the US have a different view on you know how they take in these teams and how they, they see it and so forth and quite a few people said oh, they've now got their team they have a team they like and that's the element they kind of gravitate towards which I, I think is definitely a thing I mean I was yeah. actually looking through yesterday thinking if I had to pick a team, who would I pick? It's it's difficult because probably I would pick the Aces, but it's, it, that's a bit like, oh, they won, so I'm going to pick that team. But genuinely, you know, I think they've probably got the best story. Pat Perez, who just like, you know, is like the fanboy hanging on, getting paid every week, and then hits one shot down the, at the very last event, takes all the glory. <laughs> and then obviously you've got Patrick Reed, who everyone loves to hate, and then DJ, I think it's actually come out pretty good in all this, not just from his own bank account point of view, but he is, you know, he's signed and he's not come back with any of the he's drama attitude, yeah. and tried to like, you know, suck off the PGA Tour or go back and, you know, I say suck off, I mean, he's in like kind of suck the money out of him and try and get into, he's the, into he's the lawsuits and whatever. <laughs> I, don't think, but, I don't think he's interested he's take, in it. He's taken that view and he's gone, I've been paid and compensated to leave that tour. 
Yeah. And then he's gone, fine, done. Which no one can begrudge that. But this whole like... But I think if you asked I'm him... I'm being about- compensated and then I'm going to go back and sue. I don't, I don't want to play as much. That's why I'm going to go and sign him a live. But I'm going to go back and sue so I can play on the PJ Tour still. It makes no sense. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's got any interest in doing that. I think he... he genuinely doesn't care. No, I think... I've, I got, think I've got 150 million bank account. A, like, a, a lot of people... Can everyone leave me alone. A lot of people say, oh, you know, he seems like he's really simple. I think that's a, probably actually is his underlying strength. I think he's just really pragmatic about it. If you turned around and had a conversation with him one-to-one, if you said, what, what, how would you assess your PGA career? He said, I think I had a really good career. I won 25 times. I made $75 million on the PGA Tour. It was a stepping stone to a load of great things for me. It was a stepping and, stone to come over him and uh, negotiate $150 yeah. million. How many times has Rory won? Rory's 23 now. And so DJ's won more than... Mate, DJ has won. DJ's record on PGA Tour is so much more decorated than people think. He's won every single year he's been on tour. I mean, he had that run through COVID, didn't he, Zed, where he like won every other week. He, he, I think he won like four or five times in the space of like three months. You know, he's won, he's won major championships. Like, I think he's something like career earnings on, on, on course is something like $75 million on the PGA Tour. And then he's had an opportunity to now... He's, he's our sort of age, so he's in his mid to late 30s. He's probably starting to think about managing his body more. And now someone's come along with a new concept that suits exactly what he wants to do. He's done everything in the game, technically. He's won a major. He's won multiple times on tour. You know, he's, he's in the top 10 career money list. And then he's someone said, here's a $100 million signing on fee and an opportunity to win loads of cash if you play nice golf. And he's actually been in contention straight out the gates like he's been in the I think he's finished in the top five pretty much in every single event as an individual and then obviously the aces have done very well as well and I, I probably would be an aces fan as well I actually Patrick Reed's kind of like the one he's like he's, got, he's, he's like the uh, one 24 you, PJ Tour wins 24 there you go 70 72 million I reckon he's got nine European Tour wins he's on 70 yeah, just just shy of 75 million there you go get on that couple of majors in there i mean it, it, it's been amazing isn't he really yeah uh, and all all that seem there's that he's in that bracket of players johnson number one ram um rory i feel like i'm missing one here who are like to me they're all world number ones just doing what they do yeah you know some players come through and they're in that purple patch like scotty sheffer feels like his purple patch took him to one number one amazing justin thomas sits in that category jordan Spieth sits in that category jason day on their day, they are the best in the world. But Ram, Rory, and Johnson, kind of like just by being normal, that puts them in that bracket. Mm. Like they don't have to. Without their purple patch, they can be the best and, just, and yeah. stay there. And, and and that's why that's why they stay there the longest, I suppose. Yeah. Like even like Brooks Kepka, he's for me, he's not yeah. he's not a natural world number one. He could have a really good stretch and be world number one, but he's not a natural. Like his his C game is like not half as good as like Rory C game or Dustin Johnson C game. Yeah. It was a bit like, um, you know, like, like someone like when Luke was number one or whatever, didn't he? You? you know, when you just, you, when you just get it, it's the height of his powers. To yeah. Be yeah. Yeah. And whereby with DJ, I mean, he, I think he plays the game so nonchalantly anyway, like when it's kind of like, uh, like in his A or B game, he was just going to devour every field. And he went through a period uh, like two years ago where you just watch him on a Sunday and he just devoured everybody you know he's still shooting seven eight nine deep like just like yeah man like, like walking up walking up the fairway like he did when so he, he makes cookies but um you know like just it should be a, a sex of the pod james's impressions of, of players yeah it doesn't matter if they actually talk like that or not it could become a reality yeah it's just the way i see it how, um, how does he speak yeah man <laughs> 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 
But like he, yeah, I mean, I'm a massive DJ fan. I think he's just such an, I think he's, there's no part about his game that I don't think's not just completely impressive. And albeit he's a bomber, I think the probably the most impressive part of his game is his wedge game. I think he just hits it stiff with a wedge all the time. Down, and it would be really... his own hard work, by the way. Yeah. And it would be really disappointing if he's gone to live, carried on playing the way he wants to play golf, he's obviously playing to a very high standard and he can't play in major championships. Like I, I, I still th- feel like his games and I don't know what you think Zed, but I still feel like on his day, he can win any major. 100%. I mean, he, of the current crop he's had, he's been world number one for 135 weeks. Wow. Rory's been 108. Is this total career? Mm-hmm. To the, yeah. To this point. I mean, it, which is, you know, He's, only, he's on two majors where Rory's won four, but still, for me, everyone goes, when Rory's on, he's the best in the world. I'm actually like, I do reserve a little bit of like, mm. I think Dustin's, yeah. him, they're very neck and neck. I think he should be in that comp- He's not, he's no better than Dustin if he was on. No. But weird enough, I don't think we see Dustin on as much. Maybe no. because he doesn't like, just he's, he seems like he's not bothered. Because he just like, just counters along now and like, I can just beat everybody being like this. He doesn't really win by like 10, 12 shots, does he? Where, you know, like Tiger, for instance, used to win by miles, where Jack Nicholas didn't win by miles. And I think that's like Rory's like, Rory gets on it and he wins by 10 sure or 8 shots. he's got more talent than Rory? Mm, no, I think they're comparable. Yeah. I think now, I actually now I think now Rory's got a better wedge game. Mm. I think they're now neck and neck. When Rory didn't have his wedge game, for me, Dustin was a better player. Because mm. that was the one bit that Dustin always had over him. Because Dustin can hit the ball as far as Rory can mm. when he wants to, but he doesn't have to. But yeah, now they've got the wedge game. I think they're almost they are going to be the same golfer physically, yeah, and how they and how far they hit it and the type of game they play. But they're just different mentalities, and they're both it's good and bad from both places. But talking about that week's number one, it, it should be James's part of the pod really with numbers and so forth. I'm just reading off my iPad; he probably has it all in his head. So Rory's 108, Dustin Johnson's 135 weeks at number one, Greg Norman's 331 weeks at world number one, which obviously handed it out to. Rory. Yeah, Rory recently, didn't he? But Tiger just gives it 683 weeks. Uh, okay, I thought it was 690. Number, number one. Bosh. That's, He's that, so much better than everyone, isn't he? I mean, that it's is... a joke. <laughs> that is mental. That's 12 whole years. Will we ever get bored talking about Tiger stats? No, never. Never. But I feel like there's... Every week, one will pop up on social media where you're, you just can't believe it. Yeah. You're just like, nah, that can't be true. Well, the, like Rory's, what, at 10%? He wins 10% of the time, which is amazing. And Tiger, through his pump, was 25% of the time. <laughs> it's mental. How much better he wasn't everybody. I saw he come in the top three, I think it was in the space of however many years, at 49% of the time. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, okay, here's a question for you. It's a joke, isn't it? There's one player on the world rankings who held it, held the world number one spot for one week. Do you know who it is? Martin Keimer. No, he had it for eight weeks. Eight Lee weeks. Westwood. Lee Westwood had it for twenty-two weeks. What nationality is he? He's, he's American. One week. I could tell you the year that I was. I actually watched him the week that he became world number one for that one week, and it was in nineteen ninety-six. Ninety-six. Payne Stewart. No, it was never world number one. Oh man, Mark Kalkovecchia. I was five. It's a decent shout, but no. Okay, so slight, slight technical hitch. Got the card sorted again, so we're back on. And hopefully we're going to pick up from where we left off, which was what golfer was world number one for a week. And we've been, while we've been trying to sort out the issue, we've still been trying to get it and nobody's got it yet. 
I've been so close to getting Google out as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How Gary Ugal, my mate. So there's been loads of names banded around. No one's got it still. Okay, I'm trying to give you more clues. Say so he, he's been a Ryder Cup captain, a major champion, world number one for a week. He's trying to make it sound stupid there now. How Sutton? No, not at all. No, he's oh. a big draw. He ran on the green at Brookline and Sam Torrance referenced him and uh, was really annoyed at him when Justin didn't hold that part. Larry Mize? Nope. The oh, amount of names right. that have come out and that have been off air. Used tailor made clubs, uh, but didn't wear a tailor made hat through his pomp. The old burner bubble shafts. Yeah, he was right in the bubble, the burner bubble um, <laughs> era. Oh. And if I give you this next clue, which is the hat that he wore, which is the clothes he wore, you have to get it. He wore dockers. Docker. Mate, this I. Dockers. You must have had a pair of Dockers at, at some point. Mate, I'm 31. Yeah. 31. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Oh. They must have sold Dockers in the Chip to Pro Shop. Maybe, mate. Or Walmart. Dockers. Uh, uh, Ryder mate, Cup I'm captain. so lost there. Let me find which Ryder Cup he was. Oh, I should probably know this. I'm but. so lost. Big old Bobby Moore. <laughs> Ryder Cup captain. Tim McGraw. British Open champion and world number one for a week. Oh, I can't even name him. Taylor Made. He was captain at the K Club oh, in 2006. Oh, mate, this is, can't, we can't go on any longer. No? James? Nah. Giving up? Yeah. Tom Lehman. Oh, oh mate. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, I wonder if any listeners got that one. They probably did about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, they? probably. Probably. Going mad at us, pulling her hair out. Yeah. So there we go. <sighs> Tom Lehman, big draw. Remember the burner bubble, tailor made, one yeah. one at Lytham. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I can just see him. You must have got I can see it now on the green. I can see can the you? can you? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Well there done. we go. Not even sure. Do you even wear a hat, Tom Lehman? Yeah, or Docker Docker's hat. Yeah. When you see a picture of him that I'm looking at on the screen, you'll be like, Oh yeah, of course he did. You definitely would have got it. Yeah. The big draw threw me a bit. Yeah, well, Opposite draw to you. You're a big drawer. You shouldn't, it should have been a kindred spirit. <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on to... Has anyone played any golf this last couple of weeks? I played at Beaverbrook in the roll-up roll on Friday. What, the Beaverbrook roll-up? Yeah, it was nice. Go on then, What's the, what, what do they do in that? How much do they play for? So everyone put a tenner in. I think there was a few players. I think it was about 300 quid in the pot in the end. So oh, it was decent. quite big then. Yeah, yeah, it was big. It sounds bigger than their club championship. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was good. There was quite quite a few, a few of us played. Did you win? I didn't win. Uh, I was four under, I believe. So only good enough for 35 points. We play off plus five there. So. Okay, James, you you played a bit, have you? Yeah, I played around a bit since we last came on. I played at the win when we were in Vegas at the convention, which was nice. I had some guy roll into our convention. He's like, oh, you can play golf, can you? Play for $1,000 a hole. It's like, Did you take him up on it? I did, yeah. Did you pay him for a thousand dollars? I think it it, it it bottomed out like a hundred dollars a hole by the time we got on the first tee. And it's like, oh, what's your handicap then? And you know things like that. It's Tom Lehman. Yeah. <laughs> no, his um, his name was Ernie. He was actually a really. He's actually bubbles. His name was Ernie. Yeah, <laughs> not else. But like, um, but he's a really lovely guy. He in Sesame Street could tell he liked to bet. He. he he owned a casino oh, <laughs> on the bottom of the strip. So I was thinking, okay. And he was really interested in the concept, actually. I think he wants to 
to become a goat. But yeah, no, and then they managed to beat him up 18, the famous par three. Um, so you get, depending on what tee box you're on, the the price for a hole in one starts at $8,000. And if you do it off the back box, it's $25,000. They have someone there the whole time. They're, well, it, because of the way it comes through the clubhouse, I think they they run a camera off the, um, oh, okay. off the building. That's cool. Yeah, so it's about 170 yards shot from the third back box. You're on the $15,000 box. But it's a like it's water, lovely stream all the way going up the left hand side, and then it feeds into a waterfall, like a water feature behind the green. It's very nice. But there's a front left pin, and I was like, How often does the pin move from here? Because it's just impossible to it's like raised green, front left pin, bunkers. Front, front left water. pin, you're getting that's nowhere a near fate, that, yeah, I was gonna say well, <laughs> that's a big old left to, to right. Be, to be fair, it's impossible. To, it's to, ridiculous. To be <laughs> to be fair, picture near the pin goes in the wall back, right? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I'm, I'm right. I've gone right side of the box, and I've and I've like tried to. I've I've done the best thing I can do for a you fade. You tried to do your fade that still moves. I did it, uh, which so I hit. So I hit a two yard draw. Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of a fifteen <laughs> yard draw, and I stiff I stiffed it. I hit it to eight feet, which is nice. So Rolled it wasn't it. impossible. Well, it's eight feet. No, so it's, it was on then. It was on. It's not on. No one else hit the green. So um, yeah, that was nice. And then um, and then buzzed out to Dubai. We were like shipped in the night. I know you played. Got quite a few dens. I got out to a den there, which is great. Had a cart game with Crip, which is really good. Else was in really nice condition. I thought I felt it quite. I felt that as many times I've played it now, that was about as receptive as it's been. Like you could hold the ball in the greens, and yeah. it's quite scorable. You that big old draw, and it was stopped. It. <laughs> big old draw. <laughs> yeah, no. no well, I can't wait to play on Friday. We're playing uh, up at your place on Friday. I can't wait to just. I'm going to film some of those big old loopers and put the shot tracer on there. <laughs> if you try so hard now to fade it, <laughs> yeah, ball up fades. Yeah, Josh, I can't do for less than Wednesday. How do I hold yeah. my hands off the whole way through? But if you don't, if you don't fade it, you'll be looking at the club face. <laughs> yeah, what's that? It'll be the club face's fault. <laughs> I think I've stopped doing that now. Is that since since we made the YouTube vids and you, you kind of saw your your nuances? No, did? I don't know. I just I, I feel like I'm moving all right at the moment. So hopefully we'll have a good game. All right, cool. Very nice. Very nice. Awesome golf is a bit annoying. Yeah. It, the the courses look lovely, don't they? But with the leaves falling off, if you miss a fairway, you just... Yeah. It's always this time of year where it would be like, I'd hate to be a member at Woburn. You ever played Woburn around this time of year? So isn't really it more pine needles well. though, isn't it? Not, uh, it's not leaves and it's yeah. wet as well. And yeah. it's, it's actually not a great time for Woburn, is it? No, you can, hit the, as it is in you can hit the ball down the fairway and like, just never see your ball again. Yeah. Where is it we played somewhere had a leaf roll? I remember playing somewhere and there was like, because it's autumn, you can't lose your ball in the leaf. There is a natural rule. So you get really? like a little drop. Yeah. Where is that? I can't remember where that was. I'm Leafy. sure we played somewhere. Leafington Spa. Addington or someone at that somewhere. Yeah, it might have been the Addington back in the day. They cleared all the trees out now. That looks money now. Loads of people, when you see people put their mm. photos up, it looks really pure really, It is really coming along. It's still a little bit, you know, loads of work to be done. They're like redoing loads of bunkers and stuff, but... It's going to be such a great place. So I was chatting to the owner Ryan on uh, on Friday, and he's got some really great ideas and plans for it. Some some a lot of concepts from the American golf club system because I think uh, the Yanks just do it quite well. I think like in the UK we're we're miles behind. Like it always gets me. I don't understand how we have PJ professionals that run a shop. Mm. Like it makes then that's their responsibility. It makes no sense. And you see more proprietary owned golf clubs where the owners go in, let's get retail staff in the shop and then get the pro to go out and you know teach people how to play golf mm. and, and, and they should play golf as well with the members yeah like you know i guess it is quite nice going to the pro shop have a little chat with your pro now and again but you can do that in the bar 
Yeah. Probably a better place. And it'd be better for the pro as well. Yeah, I agree. Rumour has it, Zed, on the golf catch-up that you had a course record this week as well. I don't know if it's course record, but I did shoot. I was nine under and lost the match, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it, was, it was the pairs match. I did, hopefully, Zaid, who's one of our goats, um, hopefully it's into the podcast because him and I have a match most weeks now. I did beat him in the singles, but in the pairs, him and his partner beat beat myself and uh, and, and my partner, which was just, yeah. Who was your partner? Uh, I can't remember who I played with. <laughs> the guys there played quite a few matches this week, but yeah. But weird enough, they didn't play that great. Like, it's not as if they like, they were like loads under as well. They just ham and egged. Right. Like, really, really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just, just the way it falls sometimes. That's golf, isn't it? But yeah, but what it was, was the um, what was the two courses you played? We played uh, Garden Church. Wow. Okay, that's really good. Nine under. Yeah, which is which is the tricky one, isn't it? Really. So, oh well, back to the drawing board. Any new equipment this week? Back to the drawing board. Put him. Any new equipment? Yeah, yeah. Got no. Um, hey, there he actually, comes. Hang on a second. I'm just making sure Nicole don't listen to this, does she? She doesn't listen to this. She's definitely ain't listening to a golf podcast. Nah. Yes. Listen, doesn't listen to me at home. So. Send it to her now. Yeah. Get on this girl, about 56 minutes. You don't yeah. have to listen to all of it. Just listen from... <laughs> I've been waiting to to change my, my irons a little bit. I, I keep, I've kept trying these um, tailor-mades and, uh, yeah, and I just sort of took the plunge to the... Um, I've gone for an MC and an MB... Four to seven iron in the uh, cavity and and eight to eight to wedge in the in the blades. Yeah, they're just, they're just coming off really really nice. And um, I was waiting to see if Titus were going to replace the CBs and MBs. I tried the T one hundreds. I just they they come off really weird, like really really low. So yeah, I've got a proper mixed bag now, which is a bit unlike me for my for like my sort of OCD with golf equipment. But I've got kind of ping woods, Titus driver, tailor made irons. Vokey wedges and then I've played around in the garage with my Cameron putter now my jet black one so and then played she, around in the garage what what does that mean you butchered it or you just had a little part yeah I did I did butcher it I needed to take it to the shop to get it um <laughs> to get it. I, I've got my old uh shaft car from which I've had for about 15 years and I think the plate needs changing so uh I had to take it and he had to like <laughs> repoint it properly because not mess with the swing weight and the weight of the whole pattern you no, just well, it down and stuff no because I put like slightly lighter weights in the head so they were they were 40s in the, in the head of this putter and I think change, uh, 30 sorry now I put 35s in so um, it counterbalances a little bit but it's fine yeah so yeah no got my new Jet Black uh, Cameron Newport ready for a run out wait so did you butcher the Cameron yeah oh my god I paid 0.6 E for that. I bought it with E. When at what price? No po- oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, like, it's costing four grand. Yeah, it costs Or it cost him hundred quid. ETH was like eleven forty or something. Eleven oh, okay. eleven eighty, yeah. Okay. That's Ethereum for anyone that's wondering cryptocurrency. Okay. Nice. Nice. I what about you? I haven't got really got any new equipment as such. I've been bouncing around some, some a couple of little bits for a couple of weeks. Nothing real new, but I did try out that Pro V one X. Minus with the left dash on it, and it was mm, I shot nine under, so it did work quite well. It's really oh, it was firm. The ball wasn't you? Yeah, it was the ball. Bo- yeah. it, it was the ball. It's the ball. <laughs> yeah, it it went a bit further. It did go a bit further, and it launched a bit higher because I was using the black one before, which just come off like a piece of chewing gum, and like would and then would go low, which felt with quite a bit of spin, and then so launch and spin doesn't go very far, does it? No. It's not a good combo. But it's great around the greens, though. It feels really nice. But yeah, so it's slightly firmer feel. And that was mustard. That was really good. So probably stick with that one for a little while. But it is quite soft at the moment. That is the other part to it. 
Now, I did put on Instagram about getting a few questions in. Oh, I did get a few questions. Oh, dear. From some, some of the listeners. Some of the listeners. Okay, here we go. Scott Reason. If you could play one course for the rest of your life, what would it be? Sound out old. Always say that one. Josh? Oh, one co- it is a tough one for me. So I'd either go back to where I grew up and started. What chips did? Yeah, mate, honestly. Yeah, because all my mem- a lot of my good memories are growing up. But, oh, God. Lock Lomond. Lock Lomond. But yeah, when you're climbing Cardiac Hill, you probably yeah. regret that. I probably will. <laughs> do it every day. Yeah, I'll go Lock Lomond just for the whole experience. James? I would go to Sunningdale as well. Okay, nice. Yeah, Sunningdale nice. old is up there. Okay, Flushy Bear, Mitchell Bly. If you could relive one golfing moment, which one would it be and why? What, personal or like just any, or, or... Yeah, any golfing moment, I suppose. Yeah, it's quite general, that. Um... If I could relive it again, just but like, you know, viewing in would probably be Tiger's '97 Masters. That was uh, just that that made me look at golf completely differently. I was 11 years old. It was just monumental, just to how the, you know, if you think where he was after nine holes and then where he was after 72, it's just it was. I, I would love to just be able to go and watch that live again, knowing what I know or, or doing what I've done as a golf fan from a personal perspective. What's well, so going back and watching that? Knowing what is about to happen. Well, yeah, just Having being... a foresight. Yeah. That this is where it all starts. Yeah, just and, and then just knowing, obviously, the illustrious career that he's had after that. I mean, you know, he was, he's obviously he'd won the US Amateur twice before that anyway. So pe- people had, um, had earmarked him as being the next big thing. But to go and just strangle the golf world and just say, I'm here now. Like, I'm taking control of this situation. It would, um, I'd love to be able to go and witness that live again, yeah. Josh. Final stage of Q school, 16th hole, three wood plugged in a bunker. Uh, what, you hit three wood out, out of the bunker? No, I out? hit three wood from the middle of the fairway. Oh, cheers. Needed to make one more birdie. Oh. And the pin was at the front and the bunker was at the front and it plugged right under the lip. So I, I would, what I would probably do is just, I struck it a little bit out of the bottom. I would just like to hit that shot again if that's all right. <laughs> Is What's that all right? It would, Can it I do that again, it please, Mitch? Plug, it wouldn't plug twice in a row, would it? That's no, ridiculous. Can't do, can't do. What's the chance of that? What's the chances? Which, and and, and you've you got that five wood now. You just, you... I know. I just want to go back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, to relive it, not to change it, I would tee off the first again in the Open Championship at St Andrews. That would be a quite a nice moment. The next... <laughs> there we go. Jimmy Broncos. He said... What a great name that is, by the way. What's the best platform for amateur competitions right now? Clutch. Okay, they just do it. They just do it really, really well, actually. And they and they give amateurs of all standards an opportunity to be in a field with professionals and feel and feel like they're very welcome. So. Is this in general, like for him to go and play over here? It could be. Well, it doesn't say what level of amateur. I think college golf, mate, in the US. If it's for top. Oh it's yeah, top, I mean, yeah. yeah but if, if you're an elite, elite player, I mean, that's you know, that, and that's elite, though, isn't it? Put him. Clutch is elite, no. Uh, but I think an amateur like my age can play clutch. Like, I, I'm not, you know, you've you got to be in the right age range to go to oh, college. Still well, scratch handicap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we're going to study, we're like, Jack, Robin Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Fart on a biscuit tin. Go on, get on that. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, for elite players, it's got to be the college system. That's the best. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're that committed, Jack, if you want to make it, you're going to have to go back to college. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Give up the big bucks. Do and, Ethereum and, studies. And go and uh, eat pot noodles again. Around that, it's going to be, if we ever get it sorted, the uh, the Bear Tiger 
bear events. They're going to be amazing. So let's go with that one. Yeah. Sam Highworth has asked, what's in the bag? My what's in the bag right now is a Rogue, Callaway Rogue driver, nine degree Ventus blue shaft. I've got a Rogue three woods. I've got an Apex hybrid. I'm dancing between the Callaway Legacy Black Irons and the MB Raws at the moment. And then I've got a Vokey 56 Sam Wedge. Which the back has been shaved off, which I bought from Replay Golf secondhand. It might actually be someone we know. Um, <laughs> and then Putter, I'm switching between the Newport, Scotty Cameron, and I don't know, so I'm tooled on Putter. I don't know the name San of Diego. it. San Diego? Uh, is that the one with the round? Yeah. Is it yeah. San Diego? Yeah, maybe yeah, San Marsh. Diego, yeah. And the Pro V1X left dash, Josh? Mine is still the same as the video we've done on our YouTube. So that's... Still on there. Go and watch it there. Yeah. James? I haven't done my what's in the bag yet, and it's I'm just about to wait for our TSR head to come in for the Titleist driver TSR. Weird, actually. The, the, one of the guys from Titleist just texted me saying, do you want to try the TSR? Here we go. There we so, go. Yeah, just say, yeah, you're left-handed now, 10 degrees. <laughs> he also ain't done his what's in the bag because he wants to wait for the dust to settle in the car until he tells her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I've I changed this year to uh, Ping G four two five three and five wood the heads, um, but I've used the same shaft for a long time now. Uh, Acra three wood shaft and Aventus red. Then like we just said four to four to pitching wedge now and tailor made MCMB hybrids, uh, Vokey SM nine wedges, and I'm flirting between a, a Scotty Phantom five point five and a and a Newport two. Nice, like it, like it. What ball? I use a normal Pro V1. That's, I hit it quite high, so that's quite, it's quite good for me to flatten it out a bit. What board do you use, Josh? I use the black one. The black one. And we've got loads of Bear Tiger ones of those, so <laughs> happy, happy days there. Bosh, all right, nice. That's really good. Good what, questions. Any, any um, Bear Tiger chat, what's coming up next? Yeah, we've got a few things on the periphery now. I think we're looking potentially at a December launch for the public memberships to become a bit more available outside of the invite pre-sale model we have got a couple of events brewing there is a meetup in dubai we're going to with a couple of the goats zed in november i think which is around uh england's first game in the world cup as well with a game of golf and a dinner which would be really good and then there's an actual bear tiger trip to the dubai desert classic next january that's now under the making and i think we've got a, a meetup on december the 16th for a christmas gig and we are just in the very very early stages so i won't say too much but more in line with what the project's coming about in regards to the gaming side of things zane and i are going to host an event we're going to meet in the metaverse we are we're going to host an event in london which will be very focused around how people can interact with Bear Tiger Club through a gaming mechanism, some some Oculus headsets, some simulated golf, some Tiger Woods 2K23 on the PlayStation 5. Yeah, we've got some great ideas. We just need to speak to the venue and ask them if it's even all right yet. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it has the potential of being a really cool evening. And then some of the Bears have uh, been in the Discord and arranged their own games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so a few people have been and got some games in. There's a there's a lad in there, funnily enough, called JS as well. He's 14 JS. He's he's really loving it at the moment. Le- he- left-handed. <laughs> yeah. Blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Massive draws. <laughs> yeah. 
unfortunately, yeah, it's not. His name's Josh as well, funnily enough. And yeah, and he he's I think he's hosted a couple of games. They had a, they had a meet up down at Silvermere at the start of the month, which is great. That that, that is everything that it's I think all we about. We need to actually we'll we'll do that. We'll have like a, a little range evening. Yeah, lovely. Hit some balls, a few beers for people who like to drink the the amber nectar. And then just get those going, really. That'll be, especially now we're coming into the winter, you know, now, now the clock's gone back dark a bit earlier, so the range golf becomes a bit of a thing. Get the top tracer. Yeah, well, it's just whether or not you'll be able to hit any balls, you'll end up giving tips to 10 people. Yeah, I don't give tips for free. <laughs> First one's free. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, more to come. It's building up, and we're going to do some mini podcasts on what's coming up in, in the Bear Tiger. Guys, is there anything else you want to talk about? All good here, mate. Uh, what about any heads off this week? Any of them? Any heads gone? James normally has a head's gone. Head's gone, James? I've had a I've had a head's gone my neighbour over the driveway, but we're all right. We're we're do you, right. Want, do you want to divulge or, or in case he's listening, you're gonna keep it to yourself. I, keep it I, confidential. I couldn't give a fuck if he's listening. <sighs> Strong yeah. words. Sounds like violence. <laughs> no, 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 no. He just ah, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> he just um <laughs> He just he just jumped out and, and had a bit of a bark at Ivy and Theo, like when uh when they were walking down the driveway on the way home from school and Was he a dog? No well, maybe. Um, bounding over. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we've we've uh I think I think obviously Mark and I have uh declared our kind of construction woes of, of what's been going on since the summer and um we're completely repointing and redoing our entire driveway and had to have trees out and I had to put 75 metres of new pipe in because the foul pipe oh, that all sounds so up. cheap so yeah yeah that's cool uh, <laughs> so, yeah. mine's a bit more light hearted than that light hearted than that so we went to a fancy dress obviously being Halloween party done all my own makeup face makeup did you actually yeah all your own bits mate come on you know art now yeah <laughs> you're not drawing a clown on your face yeah, <laughs> what's that got to do with Hey, that's right. decent to be fair. I wasn't trying to draw a crown. So it was, it was <laughs> just just to paint a picture for those. Because I was at the Halloween party with Josh, getting pizzaed up. He did the Joaquin Phoenix version of the Joker, didn't you? Correct. Uh, Joaquin Neiman. Yeah, the second Joker. one. But obviously, if people know me, I've got a bit of an egghead, so no hair. <laughs> so I drew a hairline on. So I got Sam, my little boy, this uh, spray hairspray for his hair to go green. So I thought, if I just spray that on my scalp, like, it'd be fine. <laughs> right? So I've just to take the time away. So I sprayed it all on my scalp, but it comes out of hair easily, but it doesn't really come off of skin easily. <laughs> oh, <no>. So <laughs> I was just like, I'll say it don't sound great, but I rubbed my head in the shower for a long time to get it off. And uh, yeah. That you was shampoo? Yeah, shampoo. First yeah. time I ever shampooed my, my head in a while. But yeah, that was a, a long shower. So that's my head's, head's gone. The funniest thing about this party was everybody went up to Josh and said, oh yeah, your, um, your makeup looks really good. It's, um, he's like, oh, but everyone kept saying, it's like, oh yeah, it looks like you've got no hair. And he's like, what are you talking yeah. about? I had no hair for ages. Yeah, literally. It's like, but I did dedicate, I had a shave. I hadn't had a clean shave in a long time. So, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it. It's, I actually look thirty-one for once. Yeah, no, you've had, yeah, you come completely clean shaven. I was nice thinking something looks different, but yeah, it's the old beard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, my my head's gonna probably the, the leaves while playing golf. It just just slows you down, doesn't it? Yeah. You wander around hitting the, hitting the ball in a spot on the hole where you can normally walk straight up to it, and now you're like you haven't you haven't reloaded. 
And you walk around and then, you know, the first minute you're like, oh, we'll find it. And then I can hear now the, the three minutes. the head of your feet going the th- through the leaves. Yeah, and, and, and you think, oh shit, I've only got three minutes. And you start panicking and kicking them all out of the way. It's got to be here somewhere. How much leaf banter jokes are you getting as well? Oh, leaf it out. Oh, you know, you're getting all over ones. Leaf yeah. it out left. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, that's cool. It's probably a good time to leaf it. Humbleweed. All right, cool. Yeah, that's not a leaf, is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't God. believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, okay, like, subscribe, all the good stuff, James. Yeah, Leafly Show. At beartiger.io if you want to check out the website, what we're doing. Leaf a comment. <laughs> at beartiger on Instagram and Twitter. And then now there's, now there's a TikTok. There is. I'm not on TikTok. Yeah, there's now a TikTok channel, which is all the same. Is at, Bear at, Tiger at Bear Tiger. We're, we're at Bear Tiger Club across all socials. There you go. All right, cool. Hope everyone has a good week and chat to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>